Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. So this morning, without waiting any longer, um, I want to share with you a, a message. It's going to be a two-fold message, which has... Um, how many of you know that we are now, we have a new covenant, yeah. right? Romans 7, 6 says that we no longer serve in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the spirit. And this new covenant, one of the key of this new covenant is learning to walk in the newness of the spirit. And, but many people don't really know what that means and how to do that. And so uh, I want to talk this morning. It's going to be really about talking about the, the Holy Spirit. And how to walk in the newness of the spirit. Amen. So it's going to be a twofold message. And the first part of my message is I want really to talk about. About something that God is giving us. When we receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit that is going to help every one of us. To, to walk in the newness of the spirit. How many of you know that Jesus you know before he left. He told the disciple he said it's better for you if I go away. Now think about what the disciples, what went through the head. I mean, here is the disciple had walked with Jesus for three full years. I mean, 24-7. They had a question, they went to Jesus. They had a need, they went to Jesus. There was a crisis, they went to Jesus. And now Jesus is telling them, guys, I'm getting ready to go and to leave you. But I'm not going to leave you orphans. He said, but... It's better, it's to your advantage if I go away. Because if I don't go away, I will not send the Holy Spirit. And I can imagine the panic that went through the disciple and could think, but come on, what can be better than walking with the Son of God? But you know, Jesus, you, 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 you and I know that Jesus, even though he was 100% God, he was also 100% man, limited with the body. I mean, he was one day in glory in heaven with no limits, you know, and then all of a sudden he's limited to a body, flesh and blood, where he can only be in one place. I think, I'm, okay, he can only be in one place, in one time, doing one thing, answering only one question at a time, you know, praying for one person. At, you know what I'm talking about. But yet Jesus says it's better if I go away because if I go away, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And he told them, he said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you are endued with power. Amen. And you know, it amazes me that even Jesus, I mean, think a second. Jesus, the son of God, did what he did because he was endued with the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you ask the average person, Christian today, they will think and tell you that Jesus healed the sick and did miracles and walked on water because he was the son of God. But I can prove you that that is not true. Because when Jesus was 12 years old, 25 years old, 29 and a half years old, was he the son of God? Yeah. Did he do any miracles? No. When did he start doing miracles? Yes. You, you, you understand that it was only when he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he went in the Jordan River. Hallelujah. He saw the heavens open up and the Spirit descending upon him as with a dove. And there he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, needed the Holy Spirit to fulfill the plan of God and his ministry. Who do we think we are to try to do anything in this life without the Holy Spirit? Yes. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need to not only be filled with the Holy Spirit, but avail to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and become so sensitive to the voice and the moving of the Holy Spirit that like Jesus, we can do what God has called us to do. 
And you know the beauty of this new covenant is now we saw in Romans 6 that we are no longer in the oldness of the letter because the letter kills. We're no longer under the law. We've been liberated from the law, but now we are in the newness of the spirit. But that means that now we have a responsibility, which is now because, you see, the flesh likes to walk according to the law. Tell me what to do. I follow a list of 10 to-dos. But it takes a little more of self-responsibility. You understand what I mean by that? It takes a little bit of effort on our part. And you understand what I mean by effort. I'm not talking about work. I'm talking about, you know, pursuing God. It takes a little to go and say, I'm going to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and walk with the Holy Spirit and do what he tells me to do, say what he tells me to say. And follow him. Amen. Yes, and so that means that we've got to learn to be one, to, to be one with the Spirit, to listen to him, to walk with him, and to do what Jesus did, because that's what we've been called to, to be ex representative ambassadors, you know, ca carbon copy, if you, if you will, of Jesus and do what he did. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we've got to learn to follow uh, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so uh, Jesus, it's interesting to me, is that when Jesus started to talk to the disciple about the Holy Spirit, he called him the spirit of truth. He said he will not speak of, of his own. He'll speak what, you know, he hears from the Father. And he will guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come, bring you things to your remembrance. And, he's, and listen to this. If he's called the spirit of truth, isn't that amazing that God knew that in these last days there was a spirit of deception that was going to sweep across the land. And only those who have the spirit of truth and learn to walk with the spirit of truth can recognize and separate what is deception from what is truth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And what is amazing to me is, is that God saw it so necessary. He saw that it was essential for us in order to learn to walk in the spirit, to be sensitive to the spirit, to do what the spirit wants us to do. He gave us a prayer language. And yet, so, you know, here is, as I travel across, I, I find a lot of people, you know, when I ask, how many of you, you know, are filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, people will go, you know. But how many of you pray in tongues every day? You know, and you'll find very few people who do. Or if they do, it's maybe five minutes once in a while. You know what I mean? And so, but why, why is that? That people got filled with the Holy Ghost, prayed in tongues when they received the Holy Ghost, and then never pray in tongues ever again. I'm going to tell you why. Because, number one, we've not been taught what are the benefits of this prayer language. And, and if you don't understand why you need to do something, how many of you know you're going to do it a little bit, and then sooner or later you'll, you'll give up? Because if you don't understand the benefits and the why you need to do what you do, you're not going to be able to keep up with it. Right. Amen. And so it's amazing to me that God knew that it was so essential for us to walk in the spirit that he gave us this prayer language. And, and, and he told the disciple, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you are hungry for God, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And so he told the disciple that they, once they would receive the Holy Spirit, they would receive a prayer language. And so I, I want to encourage you not to disconnect because some of you might think, well, you know, I, I think I kind of know. I think, but let it be that even if you think you kind of know, to stay open to say, you know, there is always more to know. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want to share with you some practical things that has taken my ministry to a different level. That has allowed me to do what God has called me to do to a higher level. Because how many of you know that God doesn't set the limits of what we do? You know, we've got that idea in our head that God's got, yes, he's got a plan for us. 
the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 12, he says, I has not seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We know Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he says, I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord. It's planned to give you a hope and a future. So we know that before the foundation of the world, God has set a plan, a purpose, a destiny for every one of us. And so some people have that notion, well, that it's all written in stone. That's the way it is, you know. But, and if it's God, it's going to come to pass, not automatically. Because everything that God has to do on this earth, he, has, he needs our cooperation. And even though there is a plan of God for our life, there is a plan that is for good, for a hope and a future, that plan is not going to come out automatically. God needs our cooperation. We need to cooperate. And you know, I like to say this, it's not God that sets the limits, we do. We decide how far we want to go, how high we're going to jump, you know, and how much we're going to do. Do you remember in Genesis 13, I'm going to take a little trail. In Genesis chapter 13, when God called Abraham. Now, it's interesting because sometimes we see Abraham as that perfect vessel of God that never did any mistake. But yet it took him, I think, 14 years to finally obey God. Because God told him, leave your land. Leave your family behind, live your land, and go to the land that I will show you. Well, number one, it took a, a, quite a while for him to do it. And then finally, he took his family with him. And when finally he separated himself from Lot, God says, now I can do something. I can start working. And he took him on Genesis 13. He took him on a high mountain. And he said, Abraham, as far as you can see. I will give to you. Now, what if Abraham had been like most Christians today? Have you ever seen those donkeys or those horses with those things on the side? They walk, why do they have those things on the side so they cannot look anything on the side? They've got to look just, and they look like this. That's how many Christians are today. What if Abraham had been like most Christians and looked down? That's how much God was going to be able to give him. But God says, no, he says, look up. And as far as you are willing to look, that I'll be able to give to you. And Abraham looked to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, and he went and looked. And as far as he looked, that's what God could do in his life. And so, but here is the catch for us today. You know, we are so bombarded with unbelief. We are so bombarded and we have become so intellectuals, so logical, so rational. Don't look at me so holy. That for us to do what God has called us to do, it's going to take walking with the Holy Spirit. Because how many of you know that if you only look to what you can see with your head, it's not going to go very far. And if God was to show you what is God prepared for you, it would scare you so much, you'd be like probably Jonah going into a boat to the other side, saying, no, not me. If God had showed me what he wanted to do in me and through me 20, 30 years ago, I would have stayed in France, probably. You know what I'm talking about? And so in order to look as far as we can to do what God has called us to do. It takes us walking and working with the Holy Spirit and cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And that's what I love is with this prayer language, speaking in other tongues. It's giving us an opportunity not to pray just limited with our little head and what we can know and see through our five senses, but we have an opportunity to tap into the limitless, unlimited plan of God and pray out things that our head doesn't even know. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in verse 2, it says, For he who prays in the Spirit doesn't speak to men, but to God. How be it 
in the spirit, he prays out mysteries. And the word mysteries is the word musterion, which means hidden things, secret truth. Does it kind of sound familiar? Eyes has not seen, ears has not heard, nor has even entered into the heart of men. All the things, the mysteries, the th secret things, the hidden truth, which God has prepared for those who love him. But... They have been revealed to them by the Spirit. For God has not given us the Spirit which is from, from the world, but the Spirit which is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. And so here is the way I, I see it. When we spend time praying in tongues, it's possible to pray out those mysteries, the plan of God, the hidden things, the things, the plan of God for your life. Because most Christians, here is the problem. Most Christians, they are waiting to run into a problem. They are waiting until they hit and they, they come across a need to start praying for it. But there is a way. It doesn't have to be hard because... It, to me, it's like bumping, going through life, bumping through a problem, bumping through a, you know, a need, and then you pray. But how many of you know that God knows the past, the present, and the future? God has no all knowledge, all wisdom, and he can see your whole life from beginning till end. And he knows exactly what you're going to need two months from now. He knows exactly what the people you need to meet one year from now. God knows exactly the things that you need to be equipped with, you know, ten years from now. And by praying in tongues, it's like yielding to God who is all knowledge, all wisdom, to allow him to pray through us the plan of God for our life. Removing those hindrances, removing, preparing ahead of time those things that you will need. Those equipping, those connections, those divine appointments, whatever it is that needs to happen for you to fulfill the plan of God. And you can pray it ahead of time. You know, I have that mental picture. I remember God teaches me through pictures and illustrations. And one time I remember I was preparing to go with my husband to the jungles in South America. And in order to go inside the jungle, how many of you know, you know, to reach a tr some a group of people, you know, you've got to open a path in the jungle that's full of trees, full of, you know, vines and all kind of stuff. And, and I had that, you know, that romantic picture in my head. I had watched, you know, Indiana Jones. And so I had that picture that I was going to go through the jungle with my team, you know, with a big machete, and we were going to have to go make a path. That's what I saw. But how many of you know that that would have taken a long time, a lot of effort, and a lot of sweat, and we would not have gone very far, very fast. But then we got in, 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 in South America, close to the jungle. And as we arrived at the edge of it, I saw, I realized they got smart. They had a bulldozer on the side. And in no time, they got on the bulldozer and they opened a path in just, just like that. With no sweat, no effort, in no time. Can I say to you, by spending time praying in tongues ahead of time, it's like getting on a spiritual bulldozer where you go, and all of a sudden you are praying. God is praying through you, his perfect plan, his wisdom, his knowledge, whatever it is you need. I like that. When I discovered that for my ministry, that's what I'm telling you, that all of a sudden I started to see divine connection, good God, divine appointment, things started to happen, just, and it's like, golly, it's easy. What's happening? We've got that, you know, people think that being a Christian, being it's hard. It doesn't have to be hard. You just have to play smart instead of playing hard. You know what I mean? And that reminds me. Now, now, don't take me wrong because, you know, when we start talking about praying in tongues, all of a sudden people think, like, you are telling me I've got to pray in tongues two hours every day. And all of a sudden they get into works. 
I'm not talking about getting into work. I'm talking about being sensitive to the spirit. What do I mean by that? You know, the Holy Ghost, who knows what's getting ready to happen, knows when you need to start praying in tongues for what's ahead. And he knows when you're getting ready to have a transition. He knows when you're getting ready to have, you know, to go higher. He knows. And I remember one summer, you know, uh, um, to show you a little bit how it works. You know, I pray in tongues a lot. But that summer, specifically, God was drawing me. And he was like a drawing when he was like, Audrey, I need you to pray in tongues a lot. And I had that drawing where, you know, Philippians 2.13 says it's him who is causing you to will and to do. That's what I'm talking about. He's putting you a desire, a drawing to do, to do it. And then for that time, and it was easy. I didn't feel like going out to eat with friends. I didn't feel like watching TV. I didn't feel like partying or going, you know what I mean by partying, uh, going out with friends and socializing. I didn't feel like all I kind of wanted to do was be in my room and pray in tongues. And I almost, and that's what's amazing to me, it's like all of a sudden you almost feel guilty for doing it. Doesn't it sound like the devil? And I remember thinking, telling myself, something wrong with me? Why do I just want to be in my room by myself praying in tongues? What's wrong with me? Hello, I mean, but we know where that came from. And, and I said, and, and I realized all of a sudden that that was a work of the Holy Spirit, drawing me apart, setting me apart to pray. And so I prayed in tongues. And to tell you the truth, and, and, and it was, it, there was a grace. Whatever God tells you to do, there is a grace. There is a power. There is an, and, and it was easy. That's what I wanted to do. And I prayed four, five, six, seven, sometimes eight hours a day in tongues for the whole summer. And like I'm saying, it was not work. It, there was a grace. I did it, and I wanted to do it, and I knew I needed to do it. And, I, and at the end of the summer, I did not have a writing on the wall. I didn't see an angel or a vision. There was nothing what I would call spectacular. And sometimes that's what people are wanting to see, the spectacular. I only had a moving on my spirit where all of a sudden it was like I knew, I just knew that I knew I just need to go to Florida. Now, I was in a total different state, you know, and I was like, oh, I've got to go to Florida. So I was like, okay, you know, I, so I bought a ticket, went to Florida, got out the plane. I had a friend that lived there, so I went to visit her. Two days later, I'm invited to minister to a group of young people. And that day, that place, my husband had been invited by a couple to go and be with them in that specific city, Tampa, Florida. And that's where I was, the right place, the right time. And I walked in the house where he was, and the rest is history. <laughs> Never left Florida ever since. But how did that, some people will say, that's coincidence. You just were lucky, Audrey. Uh-uh. There is no such thing as luck in the kingdom of God. That was a divine appointment. You know what I'm talking about? Because now let me say a little more. The fact was why God had to do it this way because I was kind of little, you know. I had been engaged just a few months before. And God said to me, spoke to me, and all of a sudden it was like, eh, in my heart it was like, nah, something is wrong. And I said, what's wrong, God? He said, he's not your husband. So I had to break the engagement. So no wonder then God had to say, I've got to get her back on track. And to get her back on track, I need her to pray extra, extra long, extra. You know what I'm talking about? And so that's why God did did that because I was not. I was like, I don't want another relationship. No, thank you. I'm happy as a single woman missionary. And God said, "Uh uh-uh, in order to fulfill the call of God to do what, you know, God had to do certain things. And so he drew me for that time to pray extra to praying tongues. And so I love that to pray the plan of God and to pray in a way that is not limited by our head, by our knowledge, by our uh, uh, mentality. Because you see, as I travel around the world, many times I see people, they are locked in an invisible cell, in a mentality, in a philosophy, in a, you know, whatever the situation is. 
I came from socialist France, lived in the spirit of poverty. In a, and, and if you know anything about, I'm going to meddle a little bit, but if you know a little bit about socialism, that what socialism will do is everybody's got to be the same. So there is no, you, do, you cannot be an individual. You've got to be cut on the same mold, everybody. And what socialism did, it caused, it killed the individuality, which was a God-given. God created us to be individuals, to think big, to dream big, to fulfill big. But socialism, growing up, I was told, don't you dare trying to be different. Don't you dare try to be better than somebody else. Don't you dare trying to get out of the box. And growing up, I was, I was molded into that mentality, that socialist philosophy. And how many of you know it took the Holy Ghost to get me out of that mental prison? To start thinking, I can do big. I can do big. I can dream big. I can start thinking big. And I hate to say it. These days, this is exactly what's happening to America. Socialism has entered this nation to kill people's dreams, to kill people's individuality, to say, you don't need God, just believe the government. He'll give you health care, he'll give you food stamps, he'll give you whatever you need. You don't need God. Why do you think France became a godless society? I'm meddling now, but it's... I, I, I came from socialism. I, you know, I go back to France, and you know what I found socialism did? It killed people. When now I go back to France, there is the highest rate of suicide, of mental illnesses, of depression. And I go, and I see those people at the altar, and I'm saying, what's wrong with it? And I say, God, why is there so many people here in, in Europe that have no that are depressed, suicidal, that have no no drive, nothing. And God told me, He said, You left socialism 30 years ago, but in 30 years, that's what it did. That's why you go to Russia. I went to Russia when I was followed by the KGB. And you walked in the street, people walked like this, wearing everybody wore gray. Everybody had to be the same. Nobody could dream big. Nobody could do anything different. But that's not the plan of God for our life. And in order to get out of whatever the world is trying to mold us into, it takes us praying in tongues, hooking up with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know why I said that, but somebody needed to hear it. And it looks good. Let me tell you, you know, it looks, we want to take care of the poor. God never meant for the government to take care of the poor. God meant for the church to take care of the poor. And it looks good, but it's deceitful because underneath what it is, it's trying to create a people that will become independent from God. That will say down the road, I don't need God anymore. I've got the government. Come on now. Makes me mad. It makes me mad because I came to America. I'm French, but I'm an American. And I came to America loving the, the, what America stands for. But glory to God, we need a people, a Christian people, that will not be deceived by anything that sounds good, that is, that is courting. But we need a people that said, you know what? I'm going to stand up for what's true, and I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost to make sure that I'm staying, that my compass is I'm, I'm, I'm following the spirit of truth, and I'm walking with the spirit of truth. And by praying in tongues, we can get out of that prison, that mentality that the world is trying to mold us into. And we can get out of that, and we can start believing big, dreaming big, seeing big, and walking the plan of God for our life because we are all different. We are all individuals with di different dreams, different gifts, different plans, different destinies. And it takes the Holy Ghost to help us do that. Amen. Why praying tongues? Glory to God. I didn't mean to meddle, but you just blame it on the Holy Ghost. Maybe. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. The spirit of truth. Hallelujah. We need to pray in tongues. We need to pray in tongues because how many of you know that our spirit is willing? Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is sometimes weak. 
And I can, I can vouch for that. I travel sometimes from one time zone. I'll go to, from America to Vietnam, 12 time zone difference. Then I'll get out of the plane. I'll rest a few hours. And then I'll start preaching six, seven hours a day, every day, for two weeks. How many of you know that my spirit gets excited? Yeah, yeah preaching. Yeah. The more I preach, the more my spirit gets excited. But my body is going and my emotions sometimes kind of get a little wary. You know what I'm talking about? Can anybody witness that your spirit is always willing, but it's your flesh that we've got to deal with. Our emotion, our soul part of us that sometimes we've got to deal with. And so it is so cool that God saw that by giving us a prayer language, it could enable us to fulfill the plan of God by praying in tongues so that, yes, our spirit is willing, but we can get our flesh, our emotion to follow and walk in the same rhythm with our spirit. How many of you know 1 Corinthians chapter 14? In verse 4, it says, For he who prays in tongues edifies himself. Jude verse 20 says, But you, my beloved, Build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. It sounds good. People say, building yourself up, edify yourself. But what does it mean? But here is the key. Your spirit doesn't need to be edified. Your spirit doesn't need to be built up. Your spirit is perfect. But your body, your flesh, your emotion needs to be built up. Let me give you another illustration. That's what I use. You know, one morning I got into my garage, got into my car, put the key in the ignition, and it sounded just like that. Man, can I have a little help this morning? What does it mean? It's dead, no power in the battery. So what did I do? I called my husband. He came with his SUV. He put cable, you know, jumper cable to his battery connected it to my battery, and we let it run. It was within a few minutes, it recharged my battery, and I was able to go. Well, let me say it this way. When your soul, your emotions, and your body feel like it's lacking power, well, hook up with God, mighty power, praying in the Holy Spirit, and you're going to recharge your battery. And I'm not talking about your spirit. I'm talking about your body. That's why Romans 8 verse 11 says, But if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. Amen. It will strengthen your inner man. But what part of your inner man is he talking about? Your soul, your emotion, mind, will, emotion. That's the part of you. Now let me give you, you know, when I travel all the time, that's what I do. I don't wait to feel like this, you know, I pray, I take every opportunity, whether I'm in a taxi, whether I'm in the shower, whether, wherever I am, I take that opportunity to pray in tongues. And here is the key. You, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, for when you pray in tongues, your mind is unfruitful. That means that you don't even need your brain to pray in tongues. It means you can pray in tongues anywhere. You can be behind your computer working. You can pray in tongues. You can be behind your car driving, pray in tongues. You can be cleaning dishes, do anything, and you can pray in tongues. And what happens when you pray in tongues? You quicken your body. You, you vivify your body. You quicken your emotions so that they can walk in rhythm with, with what your spirit wants to do. Amen. Amen. And so... People think, well, the only way to pray in tongues is pray loud, you know, and especially when I go to Africa. I mean, they like to pray loud in tongues. But I tell people, you know, sometimes it's good, you know, sometimes you get a little bold, but the key is to know that when we pray in tongues, we pray to God. We don't pray to man, and God is not deaf. <laughs> so we can pray like this. And we pray in tongues. So I can be in my taxi and I can pray in tongues. I can be anywhere and pray in tongues. And what I understand is when I pray in tongues, I quicken my moral body. I vivify my emotion. You know, not long ago, I was in Ethiopia. 
and it was during Thanksgiving. I was there one month, and it fell during Thanksgiving. And you know how it is. You know, sometimes I tell that overseas, people are like, Thanksgiving, what is it? But you guys know what Thanksgiving is. It's a big, really, it's a big deal in America. And I was in Africa by myself, eating a bowl of soup, <laughs> all by myself. I was starting to feel sorry for myself because I knew that my whole family is back home having a big time eating sweet mashed potatoes with that pecan crust and turkey and all the good stuff, dressing, and I was by myself. And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Ghost say, stop feeling sorry for me yourself. Get out of this right away. I mean, it was like, like a Holy Ghost, little spanking. Get out of this right away. And so what did I do? I started praying in tongues. Because I know that in my spirit, the spirit, there is love, there is joy. You know, that's why Paul told Timothy, stir yourself up. You know, stir yourself up. For God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And sometimes it's like stirring up, you know, milk with, you know, liquid, you know, like that Urshi syrup. The syrup falls to the bottom. Then needs a little, yeah, Ovaltine. It needs a little stirring up. You know what I mean? And sometimes the, the joy is just right there, but it's sitting there. There needs to be a little stirring. And so that's what I did. I mean, five, ten minutes, I prayed in tongues. And I'm telling you the truth, within five, ten minutes, all of a sudden, I, I, there was a, I, I, it felt like it lifted, and I felt happy and joy. And all of a sudden, I was like, man, look at that. I get to be in Africa doing the will of God on Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Listen to that. That's going to bless you. I got a, I, I, I found a medical research, a medical research from a brain surgeon. That's good. But even better, that brain surgeon is born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. And so he wanted to do a study. His name is Carl Peterson. He wanted to do a study to find out what happens in people's body when they pray in tongue for extended period of time. And so he had all the little tools, all the little stuff, you know. He hooked up in people's brain and body, and he had them pray for 20, 30 minutes. And this is what he discovered. Number one, that there is a little part of the brain that does nothing except when somebody prays in tongues. And what does that little part of the brain do? It releases a chemical called endorphin. And that endorphin, it said that it's 200 times more powerful than morphine. And what does it do? That substance that is being released in the body will quicken the immune system, will quicken the nervous system, will quicken the autonomic system, and release healing in the body. No wonder. God said that he who prays in another tongues, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken his mortal body. So I'm telling you, that is powerful. You need strength. You, need, you feeling on the low side. You feeling like you don't have any energy. Or you, you know, you believe in God for your healing. Start praying in tongues. Working with the word and the Holy Spirit, man, it's going to boost, give you a boost. And he says it boosts your body, your immune system by, I think, 60%. That's pretty good. No wonder, no wonder God is wanting us to pray in tongues. Hallelujah. Amen. And here is something that is also powerful when we can pray in tongues because you and I know that we know we are word people. Oh, I hope you are word people. You love the word. You put it first. And we know that when we pray, the number one thing we should do is find the will of God in the word and pray the word. Amen. First Corinthians 5, 14 says, that is the confidence we can have in God. That if we pray anything according to his will or his word, God hears us. If he hears us, we have the petition we ask of him. So that's our number one thing. And, and so we know we are to pray the word for any given situation. But how many of you know that sometimes 
the, the, we don't know everything that involves that specific situation. Sometimes we don't know what's behind the scene, what's in the heart of people, or what's involved in the situation, but the Holy Ghost does. And that's why Romans chapter 8, verse 26, verse uh, 26 says, For when we do not know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit himself wants to help us in our weaknesses or inabilities, a lack of knowing what to do. For he pray the perfect will of God for this according to, you know, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So that's what, we, we, what I do. I will pray the word, but then I will ask the Holy Spirit's help. Holy Spirit, pray. I pray the will of God when I pray the word, but I can pray the perfect will of God when I pray in tongues. Amen. And then how about times? How about times when you don't even know what to pray? Anybody has been in a situation where God wakes you up in the middle of the night or interrupts you through your day? All of a sudden, you know, you at work doing something and all of a sudden you got like a, it's like a Holy Ghost interruption. We, you know you've got to pray. And sometimes you know who to pray for or what, but many times you don't even know. You know, it's probably all happened to us one time or another. So what do you do? You can pray in tongues. Praying the perfect will of God for the, for the situation. You can pray in tongues. And now let me, let me give a, a, a word of admonition or warning. Don't ignore it. Because sometimes it's a matter of life or death. I can, I can vouch for that. I was a baby Christian, just got saved. You know, and, and that's when God told me to leave, you know, the States or leave uh, France to go to the States. On my way to the States, I stopped in England. I have a family there and uh, I have a sister there and she's the type of person who is a talker, you know, like the shotgun, she'll talk, you know, and you can't even place one. You know what I'm talking about? And so we hadn't seen each other for a long time. So here I am. She's telling me everything. And all of a sudden, I've got one of those, you know, I hate to call it a burden, but it, it's like a, it's like, you know what I'm talking, it's a, it's all of an interruption, like, there's like a heaviness where you know, I've got to pray. And so, I couldn't even stop my sister. I couldn't tell her, I've got to get in my room and pray. So, what did I tell myself? Well, you'll pray later. Well, later never comes, because, you know, we talked till Late that evening, I went to bed. I was so tired, I fell on the bed. That morning, I got woken up with a phone, a phone call that my father had died that night. Well, you know what went through my brain. What if I had prayed? What if? And then, of course, condemnation tries to come. And I thank God that I knew better that I said, God, you know, forgive me, but... You know, I, 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 I'm glad I, wasn't, I was able not to get, you know, locked into that condemnation. But this is what I told God. I said, God, I said, I'm going to ask you, help me not to make the same mistake. Teach me how to pray. Help teach me how to, you know, not to do the same thing. And God has been faithful. God has been really good and faithful. And he's, he's taught me. And not long ago, probably two and a half to three years ago, maybe a little less, my brother was diagnosed with brain cancer. Long story short, my husband and I go to the south of France to be with him, to minister. And I minister on healing all the time. And I see miracles and signs and wonders all the time. So I went there with the intent of really praying for my brother and seeing a miracle. But long story short, you cannot force people to get healed. You know, and, and, and we tried and it was like, you know, a wall of, of unbelief, and we couldn't get through to him. But I knew at that moment, if I can get him healed, I need to know that most important, that he's saved. So we ministered the word to him. And, uh, of course, the day before I get ready to go back to the States, I'm in the hospital room with my brother, and I said, I don't want to go until I know that you've made your peace with God. And here is my brother in his southern French accent, 
Everything is okay. God and I were like this. Go home. It's fine. You know, don't worry. Well, I knew that not everything was okay. But I couldn't force him. So I went back home. And then I was so grieved inside. And I said, God, show me. Show me how to get through to him. Help me to, to lead him to Jesus. And so I got that idea that why don't you try to call him on the phone? So all summer, that was July, all summer I tried to call him on the phone. He won't pick up the phone. And so I, that day, September 12th, which I happened to be my birthday, I prayed a simple little prayer. I said, God, I said, you're such a good God. The biggest gift you could give me on my birthday, would you allow me to talk to my brother and lead him to Jesus? So all day long I tried to call him on the phone. Won't answer the phone. So I went to bed, very disappointed. Don't look at me so holy. <laughs> but at one in the morning, all of a sudden, I sit in bed. And all I look, my husband sat in bed. And we usually are like rocks. I mean, we sleep through anything. But we both sat in bed, looked at each other. And at that moment, I knew I needed to get up and pray for my brother. But I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what was going on. So I got up and started to pray in tongues. And after 15 minutes of praying in tongues, I heard myself pray. In the name of Jesus, death, I bind you over his body. I command you death. I command you to leave that room right now in Jesus' name. Life, you know, I, I started to speak like that. And I heard myself kind of a little shocked, like, whoa, that's pretty strong. And then I continued praying in, in tongues. Fifteen minutes later, I hear the Holy Ghost says, call him on the phone now. And I mean, sometimes us people, we are, it's like, come on, get a grip. I'm starting to argue with the Holy Ghost and said, but I've tried to call him all day. I've tried to call him all summer. And he says, call him now. So like, okay. I went and called him. He answered immediately. And I said, you know, his name is Roberto. And I said, Roberto, God woke me up in the night to pray for you. He said, he did? I said, yeah, you, you need to pray. He said, yes, I know I need to. He said, I can feel God is in the room, and he wants my attention, doesn't he? I said, yes, he does. And so he was willing. He, he wanted to pray, and I, and I prayed, led him in the sinner's prayer, and I hung the phone, and, man, I'm excited. But it's not the end of the story. A few hours later, which there is six hours difference from Florida to, the, to, to France, six hours later, my sister calls me and she said, do you know what happened? I said, no. She said, in the middle of, uh, you know, that, that morning, our brother died. He died. He was laying on the hospital bed. And he saw himself. He got sucked up. And he saw himself, like, you know, like you're flying like this. And he said he was sucked out of his body, going through the ceiling, going through the roof. He was being like sucked up, 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 and he couldn't do anything. And he saw himself lying dead on a hospital room. And that was interesting. He even made a comment. He saw himself going to the bathroom on his hospital bed, which a friend of mine who is a nurse told me, it's usually when you die, your organs just kind of let go, which to me was a sign that he was dead. And he said he saw himself going to the bathroom on his bed, going sucked up, 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 up. And all of a sudden, he went back in his body. And five minutes later, the phone rang. Now, do you see what the Holy Ghost did? I mean, I had no way. I mean, I had been trying to reach my brother. But how, look at how the Holy Ghost did it. He knew exactly when, how, and if we learn to yield to him, he know better than anybody how to reach your loved one, how to reach your people. And you know what I see to me that is so awesome in that? Is that God Almighty would invite us to work, to work with him, to do work for the kingdom of God. That he would say, you know, and that's what happened. The Holy Ghost looks to and fro. And he knows what's happening here in China. He knows what's happening right here in Greenville, South Carolina. He knows what's happening somewhere in South Africa. And he can see if some, there is a need, a crisis, something's going on. Well, the Holy Ghost looks to and fro. And he can find somebody that will say, yes, Lord, here I am. Then the Holy Ghost will get your attention and say, okay. I need you to pray right now. 
And if you can yield to the Holy Ghost and, you know, go and uh, 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 work with Him and pray, God can get you to pray for somebody, maybe in your family, that might go through an overdose or for somebody somewhere in China you don't even know. And I guarantee you, I believe, for those that will say, here I am, Lord. I want, you know, you wake, wake me up in the night. Interrupt me through the day. I want to, you know, be a vessel. I want to pray. I want you to pray with you, Holy Ghost. There will be people when you go to heaven that will look different than you and that will go to you and say, thank you. And you'll say, who are you? I don't know you. Never met. You don't know me, but because you prayed for me that night, I got saved. Or because you prayed for me, I, 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 I lived. You know what I'm talking about? I was in Switzerland, and I was ministering a message a little bit like this. And, um, and I went back to the exact same church one year later. And I have a young lady that comes to me running, and she says, um, Audrey, I want to share a testimony with you. She said, last year when you came and you taught us about water praying tongues, she said, uh, my husband and I got out of the church service. We were in our car, and, you know, down the road, a car just ran the red light. And, I mean, we don't know what happened, but it's like we went through the car, yes. and we didn't hear. You know what I'm talking about? It was like going like this, and nobody got. She said, and we stopped, and we don't know how in the world we survived. We should have been dead. Well, I don't know what happened. And she, they got so shook that they pulled down the road and stopped in a fast food restaurant and just kind of get, you know, back. They, they uh, get back, you know, and, 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 and all of a sudden, a young guy, walked in the, in, the, in the restaurant and sees them kind of white-faced, pale, and said, what's happening? He said, oh, you, you know, we almost died. We got in a car accident. We don't even know how. It was a miracle that, you know, we should have been dead. But the rest of the, And the guy says, when did that happen? And they said, well, it happened, you know, 30 minutes ago. He said, man, do you know what happened to me 30 minutes ago? He said, I was driving back home, and all of a sudden, I just got out of the church where I heard Audrey Matt teach about how to pray in tongues, and all of a sudden, I got one of those Holy Ghost interruptions, and I said, oh, man, I'm going to pray. And he said, I prayed in the Holy Ghost. He said, I believe I was praying for you. Amen. I mean, come on. You know what I'm talking about? And I hear stuff like that all the time. If we can only just, and you say, but Audrey, I have one of those Holy Ghost interruptions. How long do I pray? Well, you know the best way I can say? Pray until you get a note of victory in your spirit. How does it feel like? You know, when you feel that call to pray, it's like a, the best way, it's like a heaviness on your spirit where you feel like, uh, you feel like uh, inside, you feel heavy. There is a, you know, no joy. You feel like, Something is going on. You know what I'm talking about. But all of a sudden, you can pray in tongues. And when you've prayed and you got your answer in the spirit, it lifts. All of a sudden, you feel maybe like singing or like laughing or like hallelujah. There is a joy. There is a lightness all of a sudden. That means at that moment, you've prayed through. You prayed what it is you needed to pray for. You got your answer. All is left to do is thank God and rejoice. Amen. God is so good. You see, learning to walk, and that's why this new covenant is so powerful. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's just a people learning to walk with the Holy Spirit, working with the Holy Spirit, because He knows when you need to pray. He knows when you need to do this. He knows when you need to go there. He knows what you need to pray for your, for the, your future or for somebody else's. Glory. I mean, it's like you want to pray for your loved ones, how better than to pray in tongues for your loved ones? Amen. You know, you can pray the word, pray for laborers, command the, the darkness to be, you know, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that, you know, that the devil is holding your loved one captives, command it to take their hands off of your loved one, and then pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues for them, because the Holy Ghost knows exactly how to get through to them. Amen. Hallelujah. When, and that's why when we can pray in tongues, we can bypass our understanding, bypass our in intellectual, bypass what we can see in the natural, and go beyond 
and step into the, the, the realm of the spirit so much easily. Do you know so many people, they want, they want to walk in the gifts of the spirit. They want to walk in the supernatural. What a better way to step into the supernatural by praying in tongues. You know the scripture that says in Jude 20, it says, but you, my beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying on the Holy Spirit. You and I know that praying in tongues doesn't give you faith. What gives you faith? Number one, we've got the faith of God, but we strengthen, we nourish that faith. How? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Amen. We release our faith, we nourish our faith, we strengthen, we walk by faith by walking in the word. But what will praying in tongues do? It will build your, it will give you that boldness. It will energize your faith. Build yourself on your most holy faith. What does it mean? By the word of God, you get faith. But so many times people know the word, but they lack the courage or the boldness to walk and obey the word. But when you spend time praying in tongues, it energizes your faith. It gives you the courage, the boldness. That's why the disciples, did you notice, they never prayed, you know, uh, God give us more power, God give us more faith. They stopped praying like that. They prayed once and that got settled, right? In, 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 when he said, increase our faith, Jesus says, you don't need more faith. If you have faith as a grain of mustard, you shall speak to that tree, command it to be removed, it shall obey, you know. So that got settled. They didn't pray anymore for more faith, but what did they pray for? They prayed for boldness. They pray, and get what happened when they prayed for boldness? They all got filled with the Holy Ghost. And they all started to speak in tongues. And they all continue to pray in tongues. And by praying in tongues and by spending time praying in tongues, it made them bold. It built them up on their most holy faith. Amen. By stretching out their arm to heal. They, were, they got that boldness, that courage, that, that, that their faith got energized to be able to, to start doing what they knew they needed to do. Nobody could make them lay hands on the sick. They had to do it. But they needed the boldness to do it. And then, bam, they saw miracles and healings. That's what happened when you want to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, how do we flow in the gifts? By being sensitive to the Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that can show you and tell you, go and give a word for that person. Or go and lay hands on that person. Or all of a sudden you're in the grocery store and you're the, the cashier and all of a sudden you've got something that comes to you and you're like, you know, and most of us, why are we going to say, is this God or is this just me? No, it's the devil. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, but when you, you know it, no, it's not just you. If you mean just me, it's your spirit. Yes, your spirit. Amen. But you need the courage and the boldness, it takes boldness to go to talk to a stranger and said, I just heard um, da, 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 da. It takes courage to do that. And how do you develop that courage? By spending time praying in tongues. And the more you pray in tongues, the more you build yourself up on your most holy faith, the more you gain that courage, that boldness to go and do and flow in the gifts, to speak, to lay hands, to do whatever you need to do. Some of you look way too quiet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And I notice in my, in my ministry, the more time I spent, you know, and here again, I'm talking to a group of people, which I know and I hope it's settled, that we are not into the work mentality. We are not into the work mentality. If I work, then God's going to use me. We both, all of us know that God doesn't use us. You know, it's not according to our effort and according to, but what it happens is when you spend time praying in tongues, you make yourself more sensitive. You make yourself more available. You make more yourself, to, because God wants to use you all the time. But most of us are kind of a little more led by our head than by our spirit. And the more time we spend praying in tongues, the more we become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's like being more dominated by the Spirit instead of being dumb, dominated by your head or by your five senses. 
That's really why we do it. We don't do it with a work mentality. We do it with a son mentality. And that's a teaching all by itself right there on the table. You know, when you understand you receive the adoption and you know you're a son, you know you're free from the law, but you enter into a realm of responsibility and, and, and trust where God trusts you and God makes you now responsible over your whole life to make the right choices, to take the right decision. So now we, we, you understand what I mean by that? Now I pray in tongues, not to try to, oh God, so you can use me. No, I pray in tongues because I understand, man, I want to be sharp in the spirit. I want to be keen in the spirit. I want to hear. I want to be sensitive. And the more I pray in the spirit, the less, the more I shed the, the, you know, the reasoning, the head, the flesh, the five senses. And the more, you understand what I mean. I hope that's clear. I hope that's clear because that's, you, we do not want to get, and get back into a work mentality. Okay, I've prayed my two hours today, God, as if we're going to get a brownie point. No, we just, it's not going to get us a more leverage with God, but it's going to get us more leverage in the realm of the spirit. Amen. Let's move on right along another five minutes and then we'll take a break. Everybody's with me still? Or you gone home? Anybody gone home? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Keeping ourselves in the love of God. How many of you want to love? Walk in love. When we know we've got the love of God in us, the love of God has is, is, is been shed abroad in our heart, in our spirit, by the Holy Ghost. But how many of us sometimes have a hard time showing it, walking in it? And you know, here is the key. If we don't walk in in. in in love, some down the road, it'll hinder our faith because faith works out by love. By knowing that God loves us and by enabling us to love others. Amen. But so what will help us to do that? Praying in tongues. Jude verse 20, we saw you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 says, keeping yourself in the love of God. You know what I found? That when I spend lots of time praying in tongues, man, it's hard to get a little selfish. It's harder to, to lose your temper. It's harder to want me, 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 myself, and I. The more you spend time praying in tongues, it keeps you in the love of God. Why? Because it stirs up the milk and the chocolate nest quick there. You know what I mean by that? When you stir up the love of God in you, you become more aware of it. You stir it up, and it's easier to walk in it. Like it's easier to walk in faith. It's easier to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. It's easier to avail to the Holy Spirit, to everything He has, everything He is. And He's love. He's joy. He's self-control. I mean, right there, by spending time praying in tongues with purpose and faith, it makes us more self-control. Some of you are looking at me a little strange, as if I said something that came from the moon. Amen. I like what Philemon verse 6 says. He said that the communication of your faith will become effective by acknowledging every good thing that is in you by the Holy Ghost. And, and how do you, the more you pray in tongues, like Paul told Timothy, stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. Stir the gift of God that is in you by praying. And how do we stir it up? How do we acknowledge it more? How do we walk more in it? How do we become more conscious of it? How do we step in it? By spending more time praying in tongues. And why do, why do I feel so strong about praying in tongues? Because I believe it's a gift that is given to us by God for these New Testament sons of God in order to walk in these new covenant realities. And that's why we have so many people that are messing up is because they are trying to walk in a new covenant using Old Testament rules. Old Testament methods. It's like trying to use, trying to use a computer, the latest model, 2014, but you pick up a book from 1975 and you try to 
you know, operate the new computer with an old manual. It doesn't work. But that's what the Christians are doing today. They are still wanting to hold on to a set of rules of do's and don'ts. I've got to do this. And no, we've got to totally liberate ourselves and say, no, I'm going to walk with the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost, avail myself to the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to let him tell me what I need to do. I'm going to let him guide me into the truth. I'm going to let him tell me when. To, you understand? And, of course, there are some things that we know because we not, we, we're smart. We're not, you know, hopefully not too dull. We know that it's good to read our Bible. It's good to pray. It's good to fellowship. It's good to go to You know what I mean? This is common sense to keep us in shape in the spirit. Amen. And praying in tongues, it's, and that is the reason why I believe that it's been attacked more than anything. Praying in tongues, that's new, politically correct, don't want to offend anybody kind of wave where they want to put the Holy Ghost in the closet. I've been in churches, you know, where, you know, you're not allowed to pray in tongues or sing in tongues or do anything in tongues. You might offend a few people. You know what I discovered? That on the day of Pentecost, when they were all got filled, it wasn't done in an upper room in the corner. It was done in public because they all heard them speak different language. But, you know, there were some that looked at it perplexed. What's happening? There were others that were, like, amazed, but there were those that were mocking. But I've noticed the people that are truly spiritually hungry, they're going to get it. They're going to want it. And those that mock, you're going to have a few mockers. Let them mock. They did it 2,000 years ago. They'll still do it today. But we want to get through to the people that are really hungry. That might be perplexed, maybe. They need a little understanding. They might be amazed. They'll be drawn to the Holy Ghost. Amen. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.